Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fuchs. Right up front. Younger fan inside of the net. Is now in. Here we go. Glad to have you here on a wild Wednesday edition of the TC Martin Show. VGK Frank, you know I alternate every day depending on what's happening in the world of sports. Today's VGK Frank because we're getting ready for the Golden Knights regular season finale against the San Jose Sharks. So VGK Frank, what's going on? Now, is Pete DeBoer still VGK Pete, or is he still SJS Pete? Because, I mean, he was the coach of San Jose as well, so, you know, but I, I think he's probably VGK Pete. Who's delivering his paychecks? Uh, as far as I know, it's the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. There you go. So he's VGK uh, Pete. And uh, Though, ironically, if he wouldn't have taken the job with Vegas, I think San Jose still would have had to be paying him. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Would he still be residing over there in Santa Clara County, though? That's the question. Yeah, he probably likes his paycheck here even more when he can throw in the no state income tax and that sort of stuff. You know, we've talked about this before about we know athletes resonate with fans and coaches do too, especially if you are a coach that's either iconic or you're media friendly. I still don't believe that fans have embraced Pete DeBoer. Oh, some of them never will. Yeah. I, I have one friend who has told me flat out, if they win the Stanley Cup, he will still <laughs> chant, not my coach. Yeah. <laughs> and with Gerard Gallant, he wasn't one of those guys that was really extroverted or came out. You know, again, he was he had that kind of dry sense of humor. But he was he, an he was an old time tough hockey yeah, player. But he was a he nice was blue guy. collar and super too. nice guy. And you know, we did a lot of, a lot of stuff with it, with him and having him on and that sort of thing. But I think he he didn't resonate really with the fans, but they said, hey, he's our coach. He came across genuine. He came across yeah. as a nice guy. See, but, I, I think I'm going to disagree slightly. I think okay. he did resonate with the fans. I think the fans loved him. How do you not love a guy that's yeah. Turk? Because when he was a little kid, he yeah. used to literally chase the wild turkeys yeah. in his uncle's basement or whatever i mean he was a colorful kind of crazy character and every time they say wow that was a pretty physical game tonight he would always laugh and go physical you guys realize the era i played in yeah yeah. nobody was carried off the ice on a stretcher it wasn't that bad yeah no no i agree i agree with you and again and i'm just saying that in comparison to DeBoer. And, you know, so that's that's where I'm going with that. But, again, I, I love Gerard Gallant, and I thought that he would have some witty one-liners and he'd be sarcastic, you know, with the media. Uh, but, he, but, again, he was genuine. He was just a good guy. I mean, you ask him to come on, he came on. Uh, DeBoer just – he's one of those guys that just has that, that sour face and tone sometimes. And, and, again, maybe it was because – he was with the Sharks. Maybe he knew he was replacing a guy that people genuinely liked. And it, was, it was a tough situation, but you need the personality to come in and squash that and flip it in your favor. And you don't ignore it. You don't be sour about it. You just come in and, and try to make the best that you possibly can. And, 
You know, I don't know. It, I know some guys don't care. Maybe it's just not in their personality DNA to have fans like them. But uh, there are so many coaches out there that are just either introverted or they just don't know how to communicate, you know, in the public. And that's why we, we've talked about this before. With press conferences, you see a lot of coaches that aren't very good at it. And you would think that that would kind of be one of the prerequisites, you know, when you're making that hire because you are have to be in, in front of the fans and the media on a daily basis. Some some coaches, I think, and I think they're the rare exception, but I think some actually kind of like the fact that they can be abrasive to their fans. Like John Tortorella. Tortorella doesn't care what he says about anybody, and he calls out players, he calls out fans, he calls out media, he calls out his assistant coaches. You know, I mean, some coaches, they just are who they are. Gerard Gallant was one of those guys, he was a nice guy, you know, but he always had the same standard lines in that, too. Who's playing goal tonight? I'll find out when I talk to my goalie coach. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like he, he, he basically said, I have other people making those decisions. I'll get their input. Well, what did the players say in the locker room? I don't go in the locker room. That's their domain. And he didn't. He literally, for those that always thought that that was just coach speech or something that he would say, he wasn't in the locker room. He said, that's where they do their stuff. I do my stuff on the ice and in my office and that sort of thing there. I think Pete DeBoer is definitely – Pete DeBoer makes no bones about it. Who's playing that? Are we going to do this every game? It is his decision. He's not asking anybody else's opinion. He might ask a little bit of insight. What do you think about this, that, or the other? But it's going to be his decision. Gerard Glant had no problem saying, I don't know. Well, what are you doing on the power play? Well, we have this coach working on that. We have this coach working on the penalty kill. We have this. He dictated the other things, and he trusted the people around him in that. Maybe to his own detriment a little bit, because maybe he wasn't quite hands-on enough and quite enough of a take-charge kind of guy, because he did trust everybody else out there. Turk basically didn't have a doghouse. A lot of coaches have doghouses. Now, there kind of was a little bit. You know, here and there are certain players that didn't fit in, and you could tell that he wasn't really crazy about them being there, like Tatar, he never fit in under Turk's system and everything. And now he's flourished, and he certainly flourished before he came in with Detroit. But, you know, his way of, well, you know, if you made a mistake, eh, keep your head up and go out the next shift and try to amend for it and make up for it or whatever. Whereas Pete DeBoer holds people maybe a little bit more accountable in some respects. So Turk was what I would call more a player's coach. Unless you did get on his bad side, then it was maybe harder to get on his good side. But Pete DeBoer is definitely a hands-on kind of guy. And I think Pete DeBoer respects the fans in that. But I think when it all comes down, the bottom line is his idea is, I know way more about hockey than any of you do, so shut up and let me do my job, and I'm trying to win hockey games. Right. If we win a Stanley Cup, I'm keeping my job. Yeah. If we don't, then you know, then anything's a possibility. You never know in this crazy game. That's why I'm making the decisions, because as long as I win, nobody can do too much about it. Vegas Golden Knights go against Pete DeBoer's old team tonight, the San Jose Sharks, the regular season finale. And they'll face it off a little bit after 6 p.m. tonight. And while that is going on, kind of have a, a feeling just, you know, like with the, with the NFL, with these type of games where they're starting both of these games at the same time. They don't want anybody to find out, you know, who's going to get ahead or whatever. So they're both going to face off a little bit after 6 o'clock, kind of like World Cup style with what they do uh, in soccer in the major tournaments as well, too. So 6 o'clock tonight, the game in San Jose at stake, playoff seating, best record, President's Trophy, and, of course, that battle between the Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. And like we talked about yesterday, uh, the Colorado Avalanche got a huge victory of the Golden Knights two nights ago here 
at T-Mobile Arena with that 2-1 victory. So now Colorado will take on the LA Kings for two games. They'll host both of those games while the Golden Knights finish their regular season slate tonight against the Sharks. The situation, Golden Knights lead by two points over Colorado. Golden Knights need to win to get that top seed and hoping that the Kings can knock off Colorado at least one of these two games. Yeah, and again, and now whether they if they knock them off in regulation or overtime, it would still be a, even an overtime loss would still be a loss for them. They'd get the point, right. but Vegas could still win by virtue of because they can get 82 points. The max that Colorado can get is 82 points. However, as we talked about yesterday, because Colorado has won more regulation games this year. If you look at the standings, you're going to go, oh, wait a second. If it goes by wins, Vegas has more wins. They don't have more regulation wins because, and that's one of the crazy things about the tiebreaker in hockey and the NHL, wins isn't just enough. And I'll tell you what, it's hard. When you even Google it and try to find it in that, it's hard to find sites that actually show you the regulation wins. Right. They show you overtime losses. They show you shootout losses. They show you everything, but they don't want to show you regulation wins, which is crazy to me since that is the number one tiebreaker decider. Yeah. You know, with all sports, though, you really don't have those tiebreakers in your daily standings. You, you know, the, but at like this time teams, of year, you normally do. Well, no, here's an example. Like, say, we'll just take Major League Baseball for example, and it's coming down to the last day of the season and you have two teams tied at the top of their division. They'll tell you what, you know, the winning streaks, what they've done in their last 10, what they've done maybe against the division. And we see that in the football uh, standings daily as well, too. But you, you don't see head-to-head competition. There's not, a co- there's not a column for that. So you have to dig deep to find all that out because when it comes down to, say, there's a tie last game of the season, you really you you don't know that. I mean, you have to do okay. Okay, let's you know the the Astros and the A's. Okay, who won the the regular season series? We don't know that until you really dig deep. And I think that's kind of the same situation with regulation wins. But then again, it's more of a common entity that you know in baseball, in football, who won the head to head competition or who won the series, and even the NBA. They'll they'll talk about that. May not be printed, you know, the daily standings, but at least you know. With NHL, to your point, it's like regular season. We don't even know that that was even a, a tie-breaking category, period, let alone the main one. Well, and, and, it, and it has been for a long time. And, again, I'm just going to slightly disagree with you because, it, 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 say, the NFL, mm-hmm. when it comes down to the last week, it always says playoff scenarios. This team goes if this team wins, this one ties or wins, blah, blah, blah. It shows you all the stuff. Yeah, but I'm just it, saying not in the daily, the no, regular No, 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 not on the daily, but yeah. at this time of year. Even in, when uh, you look right now in, in the coverage, NHL, yeah. it still doesn't say that. Right. You have to really dig for it and find it. Does it go back to this, this league that we're always talking about? Well, I about? think it's the league, and I think it also shows how, you know what? I mean, let's be honest. A lot of people go to ESPN as one of the go-to places, you know, ESPN.com, everything else. Because they don't show the games anymore, and they're not ABC games, they don't seem to cover it as well. ESPN definitely has a way of, you know, UFC and MMA kind of didn't exist until yeah. they started oh, showing yeah. them. They'll now skew the, it. Yeah. Oh, now, oh, now here's the weigh-ins. Now here's this and that. Boxing, oh, too. Oh, the top yeah. ten plays. Right. How many times do we see La Liga and everything else in top ten plays? Now that they show a lot more soccer. So they do skew things their ways a little bit. So it, it, th- there is definitely a bias that way. In hockey, at this time, I it, it absolutely blows me away that it'll say clinch the division or not clinch the division, this, that, and the other. But then it doesn't tell. How hard would it be to say if Colorado wins both games, they go to the playoffs at Vegas? I mean, it, it's not that difficult, but they still don't say it even now. 
So you got to dig and go or else you got to go to Twitter or something else and find somebody from Sinbin or Jesse Granger from The Athletic or whoever. NHL.com Yeah, NHL. Yeah. And, yeah. and even there, it's difficult to find in some respects. It's just I, I don't get it. It's not that difficult, but they make it difficult. They do. And again, this is one of the reasons why they are the fourth league of, of the top four. You know they they are, and it's a pretty distant fourth, big time. As much as I love hockey, right. and in honesty, right. it's a distant fourth. It is, and it, it always has been. And a lot of it has to do with this is not an American sport. You've got you know almost half of your teams are from Canada, you know, not that many, but you know what I'm saying. The the prevalent uh, ones and the fan bases. Well, look, look at the are, Hall are, of Fame. Like the the first fifty years of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. There's like two or three Americans there. Right. Everybody else is Canadian. Right, right. <laughs> and, and again, it has. Not had the greatest national television coverage in the United States. And, you know, to your point about ESPN, yeah, they do it with UFC. They do it with boxing because when they sign the top-ranked deal, all of a sudden now they're really, you know, you know showing us all of those things, the behind-the-scenes stuff, which they never would have uh, done before. They Whoa. would send their reporters, like Dan Raphael, who's no longer with them now, would send them to the major fights. But now, again, it's part of the regular rotation. So... You know, next year, hopefully, with that theory, with ESPN back involved and, you know, showcasing a majority of the games with Stanley Cup Finals with them and the ABC, uh, the parent company, maybe we will get better coverage. Well, and remember this, you know, when when ABC and ESPN did show more of the games and they were more a part of it, Barry's Beecher was on SportsCenter every night. They had their own little setup. They talked to Barry Melrose. Yep. He went over who the top teams were, the other teams, the sleepers, this, that, and the other. They spent a whole segment on it. Now you might, if there's a great save or an unbelievable goal, they'll show it, but they don't dive into hockey. It's somebody else's product. You know, I, when I'm watching top 10 plays, I always feel like I'm more likely to see a spike ball or frisbee golf highlight or something than I do an NHL highlight. It's and it drives me crazy yeah. half the time, yeah. but it's the reality of it. And I get it from a certain standpoint, but I also don't get it when they go like, hey, our equipment's better than yours, and if, if it happens around the globe, we'll find it. If it's something you cover, you'll find it. The other stuff you might find and go, yeah, it's still not going to make it. All right, so Marc-Andre Fleury scheduled to be – in goal tonight, if you're going by the rotation, which we know that we're going to see that. So I guess the big question is what's going to happen Sunday. Playoffs are set to begin Sunday. Uh, nothing is official yet, but uh, we believe the Golden Knights will be playing Sunday and Tuesday at home at T-Mobile Arena. So I think that is going to be the big question. But they've got to take care of the business that's in front of them tonight. Golden Knights are a 220 favorite to beat San Jose tonight. You know where I stand on this. I think hey, San Jose's mailed it in. I think the Kings have mailed it in. They're playing. Both of these teams are playing a lot of young talent. Uh, the Golden Knights seemed very distraught the way they left the ice the other night. Um, we, we heard uh, how they felt in the locker room. We saw them come out, you know, for the end of the season, kind of salute the fans. You know, the the seventy, you know, five hundred that were in attendance there. Uh, lackluster ceremony, and we've. You know, been there in years past where it's, you know, been fantastic, uh, staying ovations, giving away jerseys, doing all that kind of stuff. I'm also they, not sure they were embarrassed. The, to I'm come also out. not sure that all the fans knew that that was going on after I, that game. I think you're I, right. I don't think they made the. I, I don't think they did a very good job of announcing it in that. Right. And maybe it's because game day Bruce was on in personal things and it kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit or something. But when they came out, it seemed like because we were there. And the majority of fans had already left or were on their way out. When they came back on the ice, people were kind of looking like, well, what's this all about or right. whatever? So I'm not really sure 
And I don't remember announcements during the game saying, don't forget, mm-hmm. after the game, it is fan yeah. appreciation night. Stick around for the player's final trip on the ice or something like that. So, you know, and, and again, I I don't know what all the protocols and what exactly happened. And I know it was a crazy year with COVID and the limited fan base and that. And, you know, is there fan appreciation in a, for a team that couldn't have fans at all and then had 20% and then had 25%, you know, all the stuff that went on. But when the players went out there, it's like they were expecting more fans and I think if more fans would have known that that was happening after the game, there would have been more fans. No, I think uh, I guarantee you, I didn't see any. I don't recall any. I should say that because you know we get the press releases. I don't recall seeing anything like that. There was no. Um, I don't know if there were emails to season ticket holders because that should be well in advance. Hey, uh, season ticket holders. Hey, fans. Uh, we're going to appreciate you tonight. You're going to get in. You know, again, I didn't go through the turnstiles, but. You know, I, I haven't seen any giveaways. They don't do any of that kind of stuff, which would traditionally they would do. But on a night like that, where you are, you know, letting in basically 50% capacity, you have, you know, over 7,500 fans, you would think there would be some sort of that. If you don't want to do, you know, uh, giveaways or give the fans something, at least let them know what's going on as the final regular season home game. Or maybe they just blew it off all together and said, you know what? These same people are going to be here for the playoffs anyway. So... Right, but but, but they're I, not going to do a fan yeah. appreciation yeah, night during the playoffs. I know that you, yeah. your season could end on the road. So you don't know when that yeah. last home game is going to be, yeah. unless it's Game Seven of the Stanley Cup I, I Final. Think they, I think they really just blew it off, forgot about, it, and they said, "Oh, you know what? Well, we should do this." Maybe it caught them last minute. But again, didn't see any press releases, emails out to season ticket holders. I think they just kind of dropped the ball on it. And, and, and I think there's a lot of that going on because everybody is reacclimating themselves and getting used to the world. Friday night when I was at the Aviators game, you know, I looked at my friends that I was out there with and I said, wonder if they're doing fireworks after the game because Friday night's always fireworks game. There was no announcement. There's nothing on the schedule saying it. We're leaving the ballpark. They had fireworks. Wow. But I don't think most people knew. A lot of people had already left because it was getting later. You know, it's a three-and-a-half-hour game or whatever, like baseball games are. And almost all those games with the River Cats were high-scoring games on both sides or whatever. We're walking out, and all of a sudden, you see people kind of starting to hurry to try to get out of the thing where the walls are in that to see the fireworks that they're shooting out over the center field wall. But I don't think most people realized that there was going to be fireworks because it wasn't on the schedule. It wasn't on the promotional calendar. And I don't remember them making one announcement during the game that night. Now, they might have, and maybe I wasn't cognizant because I was being a smartass with my friends, saying the kind of stuff that I do or whatever just all the time. But it, it, most people walking out were like, wait, what's that? You see the first one go off and they go, fireworks and then, then you see kind of like i say people scurrying to the exit yeah. or staying and backing up back towards their seat again where they can see mm-hmm. them again but you know i knew that friday was always fireworks game yeah. at the stars games the 51s games and the aviators games but i didn't know if they were well they were this game, so I'm assuming it's going to be that way throughout the season. I don't think you missed anything uh, because, again, you're pretty, I'm not a fireworks guy. You're not a fireworks guy, but I'm saying you're pretty cognizant about you know hearing the uh, you know the announcements and you know whatever the PA announcement. I hear the saying. screw ups a lot. You hear the screw ups. That's what I was going to go with. <laughs> going back to you know um, you know the game the other night, like at, when at Donsky got a penalty yeah. and the guy's name is Donskoy and he's right. only been in the league forever. Right, 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 right. Again. And 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 Grubauer right. was the number three star, and, even though it's Grubauer who. And got a Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals. And not noticing, you know, that, uh, hey, they didn't announce, uh, you know, the penalty or the goal score or that sort of thing. So you you pay attention. The first Colorado game, uh, yeah. the first 
Colorado score was not announced. Yeah. You, we're looking on our phones. Like, who, I think we know who got Oh, yeah, it is Burakovsky. Okay, yeah, yeah fine. Yeah. Didn't hear that one, did we? Might have been nice to hear that. Yeah, see, there you go. But uh, that's what happens. You know, you got to throw subs in there. You know, got to throw a relief pitcher in there every it, now and then. You know, then. It, it's like the old John Lennon song, just like starting over. Yeah. After the pandemic, everybody's starting over again. Yeah. And our, our guy, Bruce Kusick, was, was not there. He's, he's, he's back in Minnesota for uh, some time. So I believe they brought in the PA announcer that does the Silver Knights games, right? Yeah, that's, so, what, that's what I was so told. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's trying. He'll get there. No problem. All right. So uh, look forward to tonight's game. Golden Knights win tonight. Handily? I'm saying handily. I don't know about handily because, again... It's hard to predict any hockey game handily, though. You, you just don't see I a mean, lot I, of these blowouts. I, I, I think they very well could. If they get the first goal, or especially if they get up two, I think all of a sudden San Jose maybe then does completely mail it in. Mm-hmm. But I really think the Sharks players would love to send a bore out on this season with a loss to end the season. And again, because they have a young goaltender for San Jose with a team that hasn't had good, good goaltending for quite some time since Martin Jones was good, and he hasn't been good for a long time, I think that this is a chance for this guy to say, look, I want a good impression to try to make the team and be one of maybe the top goalie for them next year because there's an opening in San Jose for a quality goaltender. So, you know, you run into a hot goalie, you don't know what could happen. I'm not going to say he's going to be Grubauer good from that last game with Colorado, but, um, you know, he, he could have a good game or could get lit up like a pinball machine. Right. All right, looking forward to uh, tonight's game, uh, Golden Knights and San Jose, 6 o'clock, and we've got to keep an eye on the scoreboard as well, too. Or if uh, you can flip channels and try to find the Avalanche and the Kings will be going at the same time. So big playoff implications uh, for both of these teams in those games etc all right so big day today nfl schedule release so you know the nfl has done this the last few years where they make a big production out of it and get to unveil the schedule tonight at five o'clock pacific time that's what they're gonna do but like these things tend to happen stuff leaks out quite a bit and so at least we've got um, some information already, and we know what is going to happen opening night. We have the week one schedule. Everything will get announced tonight with the other you know, key games uh, tonight at, at 5 o'clock. Our friend T.J. Reeves from Tampa Bay, the Buck Sideline reporter, he will join us next hour. We'll get his thoughts. I know he's very, very happy because opening night will be Thursday, September 9th with the traditional Thursday night football, usually the... Uh, not usually, basically always since they've been doing this past 16 seasons, the uh, Super Bowl champion will be uh, playing and hosting, and that'll be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of times they will go with a conference rematch or a Super Bowl rematch on opening night. So the way the schedule points out, I think they looked at, okay, here are Tampa Bay's opponents. Mm, most attractive is... Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott got his new contract. Of course, it's the Cowboys, quote-unquote America's team, Jerry Jones, controversy, Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, let's go with this. So that's the game that we are going to have as the opener to kick off the 2021 season. Dallas Cowboys at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The first time that Tampa Bay has been in this showcase game since 2003. Of course, they won it in 2002. So there you have it. They're, they're pacing themselves. They kind of spread it out a little bit so they're not there every year doing the first game. Right. But, no, it's kind of interesting, too, because in in, some, in one respect, it's like you have 
America's team that Americans either love or hate in the Cowboys, you kind of have America's quarterback with Tom Brady where people either love him or hate him. So, you know, you have that. It's like I'm curious and I'm kind of wondering what will the fan base be on? Who will people be cheering for? I know in Vegas they'll be cheering for whatever team they have their money on. Right, right. But but overall it's like, you know, who is the – is there a fan pick in that game? Because a lot of people like Brady, but a lot of people really, really can't stand him. If you are just the average typical fan, yeah, you're right. You probably don't. Don't have a horse in this race, you know. And you're, you're again, hoping for the first tie of the season. Yeah, I mean, you may have some <laughs> horses on both sides that have steroid issues, and you know, yeah. that's that's what you think about Just this. Don't one. go to Belco yeah. and use the cream. There you go. So, <laughs> week one that will be the Thursday night game, kicking off at five twenty. Buccaneers hosting the Cowboys. The rest of the the games coming up on Sunday got some pretty good ones. The Steelers and the Bills will, will square off. How about this one? It's so funny how the NFL does these things. The Jets taking on the Panthers. The Sam Darnold game there. Can't you just see how this thing's going to shake out here? The Darnold's going to throw three or four touchdown passes, probably have over 300 yards. Jets fans are going to start the BYU quarterback, uh, Zach Wilson, and then the Jets fans are going to be screaming for this guy's head, probably throw two or three picks. McCaffrey's probably going to have a big day for the Panthers. I can just see that happening right now. Now, is, is Zach Wilson younger than Darnold? Because he is a BYU quarterback. Yeah, very good. Very good. <laughs> and again, you know, one's uh, from USC, one's from BYU, so you throw age, academics into there. No, USC's a fine school. Let's, uh, let's remember that. Okay, and uh, the Packers taking on the Saints. Now, I heard an interview with uh, the vice president of, of uh, broadcasting uh, for the NFL, and they said that you know they weren't quite sure what to do with the Packers because if Aaron Rodgers is not quarterback in the Packers, they may skew them back in some of these primetime games. Their schedule and could be in jeopardy. It could be in jeopardy. Very nice. <laughs> Greg Kinban scores again. Um, the Packers and the Saints will have the 125 game on Fox on that uh, opening Sunday. That looks good. All right. And... Uh, the Sunday night football game? You're going to love this, Frank. Your Chicago Bears will be the first game with fans at SoFi Stadium uh, taking on the Rams. Go like Bears! It. You like that one? You want to go to the game? I'd love to go to a Bears game again. It's yeah. been a long time since I've seen a Bears would, game. Would you go to a Bears game in a visiting stadium? Are you okay with that? I've done it before. Yeah. And the thing is, there'll be so many Bears fans. We should go. We should go road trip. Do it. Sounds got, good to me. Got a couple Bears fans. I mean, the Bears' home stadium might not be Soldier Field for that much longer. I know. We heard about that, too. All right. And so week one, Monday night football. What's the game? It is the Baltimore Ravens against the Las Vegas Raiders. There it is. There it is. The Raiders. So Monday night football. How, in, 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 in Vegas? In Vegas. There you go. At Allegiant Stadium. So, How about that? And you knew that this was going to happen because, remember, they were going to have the big pomp and circumstance last year uh, against the Saints, Monday night football. But then with COVID and everything, everything was just you know, got kind of squashed, uh, all the cele- uh, celebration and everything. So now, one year later, here it comes, 65,000 fans anticipated to be at Allegiant Stadium you're going to get Lamar Jackson. You're going to get uh, John Harbaugh as coach. You're going to be getting the Baltimore Ravens here in Vegas against the Raiders. That should be exciting. Should be electric. Oh, what about fans? 
whether you're a Ravens fan or you're a Raider fan and you're coming in, you come in for a long weekend of partying. You got all a full day of tailgating. Boy, that car, that crowd's gonna be pretty tank come Monday night to kick off at five twenty-five p.m. They might come in early enough for the Thursday night game and right. seeing that game, and then just stay here for the full weekend. Right. And you're you're also be um enjoying the first regular season game in Allegiant Stadium with Mark Davis. Exactly, it'll be his first game as well. Exactly. Mark talked about that yesterday when we were at the stadium for the press conference, and he said, "Hey, I you know haven't been still in a lot of parts of this stadium." And I told you the press conference yesterday for the Aces was you know in one of those suites. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I, I, I stuck to my gun. Said I'm, I didn't, I have not been here for a Raiders game. So he goes, I'm still getting acclimated to this stadium as well, too. But uh, yeah, everyone's looking forward to it, and uh, hopefully everything goes as well. Right now, the anticipation is to have 65,000 fans there with all the protocols. So that's coming up, uh, you know, the what uh, second weekend in September. So looking forward to that Monday Night Football. That is the game, Ravens. And the Raiders. Are Raider fans uh, going to try to petition and try to get Harbaugh to have his brother coach that game instead? <laughs> Probably give him a better shot. Really? Not a lot of success <laughs> recently in the playoffs uh, for that Harbaugh, right? All right. A uh, lot to cover today. So we'll dive into that with uh, TJ Reeves a little bit later on. Talk about the Bucks. Talk about the NFL schedule. It'll officially be announced tonight. So, of course, we will have a lot of, of more feedback on that tomorrow. Uh, we'll dive in with our Raiders uh, guests and who cover the Raiders as well here uh, in Vegas uh, tomorrow. So we'll look at all of that. Uh, So we've got that happening uh, today. And also, coming up next, Bill Lambeer is going to join us. As you know, we had Nikki uh, Vargas on yesterday, the newly appointed president of the Las Vegas Aces. As Bill Lambeer relinquished his presidential duties of the team, now concentrating solely on head coaching the Las Vegas Aces, it is opening Day coming up Saturday. The Aces are on the road in Seattle against the defending champions. So we'll talk to the head coach when we come back. Hi, this is Bill Beer, and you're listening to the TC Martin Show. All right, the season is upon us. The Las Vegas Aces in action Saturday on the road against the defending champ, the Seattle Storm. Actually, a rematch of last year's WNBA finals that took place in the Wubble in Florida. But uh, we got home courts back in play here. Training camp underway for the Aces. And uh, we are ready to roll. And join us now, the head coach, Bill Lambeer. Bill, what's going on, my friend? Not a lot. <laughs> I actually have a day off today, which, woohoo, there's a, there's a change. I know. See, you, you love your days off. And then uh, you do a little media with us on your day off. I appreciate there we that. Go. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. There you go. You're calm, cool, relaxed. And, you know, knowing you, you probably found a pool somewhere, though, too, right? <laughs> no, it's against quarantine. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Can't even go in your own water, you know? But, no, uh, nope. Unbelievable. All right. So. We had uh, Nikki Fargus on yesterday as she was announced uh, president. You held the you held the dual roles of president and head coach since the team arrived here in Vegas nearly four years ago. Bill, talk mm-hmm. to us about how this process unfolded and what was behind the decision making for you that you wanted to be solely the coach. Well, you know, when I came here, I was on a timetable of you know two to three years. Um, to get this franchise set up, to get it where I think I thought it needed to be, and make a run at you know competing for uh, you know the championship, um, and then a lot of other crap got in the way, uh, and it, it just it was 
it was so consuming and it just wore me down so badly um, because I, I can't turn it off. I always had to think basketball or, or think my job. Uh, and in the off season, I just wanted to relax and not have to worry about all kinds of stuff. So when this was going down, I made it very clear to Mark that I did not want to be the president going forward. Uh, I just, I just wanted to start my process of exiting into sunset. Uh, and that I felt an obligation to the players to continue to try to make this happen for them. But as far as going in a, whatever direction this organization was going to go in under new leadership, I didn't have the energy to do that. Uh, I just, in, in no way, shape, or form did I have the energy. And I tell very, very clear from day one, I'm not going to do it. Uh, and I would prefer just to be a basketball coach right now with the thought process that it's also going to go away in a relatively short period of time. So what point, so that's in a nutshell, that kind of describes it. Yeah. At what point did you make that decision? Was this like after last season ended or did you need some time to really think about it before you, 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 you know, you talked to, to Mark? Cause obviously at the end of the season, you know, the MGM were, were still the owners. It, what, what time yeah, frame was this? They were still the owners, but it was a working process. So gotcha. this wasn't a secret that just jumped up one day. Like, like when MGM bought it, this was behind the scenes. It was a negotiation process for a long time. So, I knew what was coming. Even if it wasn't coming, I'd probably do the same thing, just because I don't didn't want to do it any longer. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just it's consuming. It's your life consuming, and and I wanted to spend more time, you know, in Florida in the off season, not be in Las Vegas. And I didn't think that I could do that job remotely, even though you can in the pandemic world. But I mean, in reality, says no. I have to I have to buy in with two feet, and this is like my town. I wasn't prepared to do that going forward because I have a life someplace else. That I put on hold for three years. Yeah, I think you can you can definitely definitely see. I mean, you did a fantastic job with the dual roles, but you know your your passion definitely for being on the court and uh, in wanting to coach. Uh, so congratulations on that decision. And uh, our condolences. I'm not really quite sure yet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, for for our fans that may not understand, uh, talk about. You know some of those things that I don't want to say that were a grind for you, but that that did kind of take away. What are some of those specific things that kind of took away from from you dealing with the coaching um, that that took up hours of your day? Well, it's just everything. You have to make all the decisions, so you have to be involved in all all the emails. You have to be involved in meetings, uh, not only internally but also externally. Uh, you're the one that has to make decisions on, you know, where we're going, how we're going, are we going to spend this, are we going to buy that? Uh, you know, you kind of touch everything, budgets and, and planning, and it, it's, it's, it's real business. It's real, it's real work. Um, and for, a bat, for the basketball world, that doesn't happen very often, uh, where, you know, the basketball people uh, have a, a very intense responsibility on the business side. It's only a few in the history, like Pat Riley, um, and things like that, where, you know, you, you, you have two different worlds going. I just wanted one world because basketball coaching in the WNBA, is it a 12-month job? No. It's probably a six- to seven-month job, and the rest of the time is your time. And I live in Florida, and that's the off-season. I wanted to worry about playing golf and going fishing, not that I had three phone calls on Tuesday and four phone calls on Wednesday and another meeting on Friday, and I can't have my real life to do what I want to do. So I think – all the, all the little things that add up to responsibility um, was time for me to pass the torch. And do you feel right now that you've got a little bit off uh, your shoulders here and, and feel a little bit more refreshed already? 
Oh, I already did from last from when the season ended. Mm-hmm. I basically checked out on all of the stuff about the business side uh, and didn't want to deal with it. Something about coaching or something about a person, a player, or whatever, or or you know, a college kid. Fine, I'll talk about it all day long, but no, don't bother me about the rest of the stuff. All right, Bill Lambier joins us, head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, TC Martin, along with Frank Harnish. Bill, when it came to uh, this last season, you mentioned that a lot of stuff was going on and happening. What was the most disheartening thing or the most difficult thing that you went through last year? Was it the wobble, the pandemic, or just everything just coming in like almost the uh, – people always say the perfect storm. In this case, maybe the the, the not perfect storm. Well, it, it started the year before when our players said they re- they wanted to try to compete for the championship even though I knew they weren't ready. Um which means I had to really inject myself into their locker room and into how and expedite their, their growing, uh, which was very trying and it was hard, um, on top of the business part that I had too. Um, so that really wore me down uh, two years ago. And then last year with the bubble, um, that was the worst uh, because I'm an outdoors person. I'm, I, I want to do my own things. And... Here we are. I had to sit in my hotel room every day for 102 days, uh, away from my family and a whole bit, and you can't you can't do anything. Uh, and that was extremely difficult. Also, that really wore me down. Also, which it, it, it just I got to the point where I don't I know no <laughs> no I need time off. I need to you know because coaching is very difficult. It's it, it consumes you. Uh, you know, you're thinking 12, 14 hours a day. All you do is think or go to the gym or travel a whole bit and figuring out problems. Uh, and then, but it's, it's very consuming. It wears you down also. So I'm 64 as of next week and I don't need those headaches of, of that kind of, um, intensity uh, across the board. So I'll just worry about coaching right now while I'm, I'm still have the energy to do it. You know, you mentioned that you're still in quarantine and the team is, is still in quarantine at this point in time. And, Right. We'll call it protocols. Right. Like protocols that have to be followed. Right. Uh, you can you can go to the grocery store, um, and oh, last week they allowed you to go to one of those evil hair salons. Um, <laughs> and I don't understand why you can't go out to a golf course. Maybe there's COVID in the grass or something, but they yeah. won't tell us why. Oh, uh, so the protocols are, are very draconian at the moment. Um, and hopefully they'll change over the course of time. But right now, in some ways, this is actually worse than the bubble. Did you just use the term jabronian? Is that that's a wrestling term? Is that what you used? <laughs> no, I know that was a good draconian, one. Draconian with a D, with a DR. Draconian. Oh yeah, dr- draconian. <laughs> oh, dr- okay. There you go. <laughs> I, I thought you knew that's what he said. Yeah, I thought I thought this. Then I was looking at Numchuck and going like, oh, maybe he said jabroni. So no, 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 no. He, 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 Same he, difference, though, no, right? He, he wasn't channeling his inner rock there. He was doing that. You know. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 sure. I, I, I guess it's too bad that you guys don't have the same protocols of the NHL because I know with the playoffs coming up, one of the things that the NHL has done. They will now allow the players to go on the golf course again. That'd be nice if you could get out there and too. Because if I remember right, you got a pretty good handicap there, my friend. Well, I don't play anymore, especially during the season. I, I try to focus only on basketball, so that's why my handicap has gone south so badly. But you know, overall, it's it's just you know it's it's a very trying time, uh, and hopefully everybody gets through it. You know, hopefully they loosen up their restrictions because. Everybody now is becoming fully vaccinated. Right. And why do players have to wear masks on the bench if everybody's fully vaccinated? Hmm. I, I, nobody understands that. It makes no sense. 
Um, so and hopefully it all changes, but, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath. All right, Bill Lambier joins us. Sorry, the hiring of Nikki Vargas. Uh, thoughts on her as a person, fellow coach, uh, now an executive, and, and how does she fit in with the Aces family? Well, they did a good search. I, I knew the people involved in the search, and they, and they came up with, with Nikki. I, I think it's a great hire. Uh, she has basketball acumen. Uh, she, and you run a college program, you're, you're heavily involved in the business aspect uh, of that college program, but you're responsible for all the numbers. Uh, and and t- talk, we've had long extensive talks about her picking my brain and, and giving her to lay the land. And in my opinion, it's still her choice going forward, which is good. Uh, my time has passed. Uh, so it's somebody else's time to take the reins and put their, their stamp on it, as well as implement Mark's stamp. Uh, so he's going to want certain things done his way and, and certain directional things. And it's just good to have somebody else move forward like that. I think she's the right one. Uh, I told Mark and her that my task right now, besides just being the coach of the basketball team, is to make her wildly successful for the future of this franchise. So anything that I can do to or teach her, tell her, help her, whatever, or put out fires or run interference for her, uh, I'll do that because I believe in where, who she is and where she's going. I think she's going to be successful. And she's going to be a, a great face of not only for our franchise, but also in this town, I believe. So we had her on yesterday and then got a chance to see her at Allegiant Stadium yesterday with the press conference. And she said that one of the attracting factors to this organization was you. You know, being, being a basketball guy and all, the utmost respect for you and everything. So uh, that, you know, I, I know a lot of times you don't like uh, accolades and this and that, but, you know, exactly. Yeah, okay. But but uh, she is your boss now, I guess, right? Is, is she your boss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a weird dynamic, you know, and a piece of paper that's probably correct, but reality <laughs> says I'm going to do my own thing right now. And, and no, no one's going to tell me at this point in time right now on this particular day that I'm going to try to change course. No, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> so, it's kind of a weird dynamic. I'm, a, I'm autonomous yeah. uh, to a point, uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I got a vision. The vision may not work, but I got a vision, and I'm marching down that path. You're grandfathered in, as we like to say. There you go. Was there a time when you didn't do your own thing, Bill? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I, have, I, have a, I have a respect for authority. Um, and I do report into authority right. if that is what is required. Right. But I'm going in my own direction. If my own direction ain't good enough, okay, we'll fire my ass. I don't care. <laughs> um, but if I try to do somebody else's way and it doesn't work, well, then shame on me. That's why we love you, man. There you go. That's perfect. All right, days away from the opening of the season, Saturday, 12 noon, ABC at Seattle. Uh, how prepared do you feel that you guys are for opening day? Not at all. Um, I, I think not having guys probably hurt our team more than not anybody else. Um, we needed to play against a little better caliber of, against ourselves and wear ourselves out. And uh, Andrew got hurt, so we had to do some new rotational problems, uh, problems, new rotational opportunities. Uh, so we're going to figure that out. Uh, Liz, you know, came in not in the greatest of shape, so she's working her way through there. And Chelsea Gray just got added. Uh, you know, nobody realizes we only have four players from last year's team. Right. Uh, which is pretty bizarre. Um, someone coming back from the prior year, I get that part, but it's not the same. Uh, you still have to reteach and re-understand and learn each other, and that's what we're going through right now. I'm anticipating a, a bumpy beginning, and then Plum goes away for five or six games after game two for USAB three-on-three tryouts. Oh, or not yeah. tryouts, but a qualifying tournament. Right. 
So that'll throw another monkey wrench into the situation, and we're only allowed to carry 11. Now Angel's hurt. Now we only have 10. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, bumps in the road coming up here in the short term. If we can work our way through that and, and be somewhat competitive, I think, as we go through the season and become stronger and know each other, I think we're going to be a very formidable team. I know you mentioned earlier when we were speaking that one of the trying things for you a couple seasons ago was that the team wanted to win a championship and you knew in your heart that they weren't quite ready for it, so that was tough to go through. Where do you see this team right now? And I know you don't like expectations from the media and this, that, and the other of your own, but where do you see this team is now and what's the potential of it? Well, they're a more mature team in understanding how to compete for the championship. They went through it last year. And they realize a lot of the little things that you have to do to be, you know, to have that kind of record to get yourself a bye. Um, and then we had a very rough time with Connecticut, but we got through that one, which is a great character builder, uh, not only for individuals, but also for a team. They understand each other and you get, you get closer. So I, I think that part of internal in the locker room, I think, is the best it's been for to be able to compete. Uh, Talent-wise, we have a fair amount of really good talent. We have to blend together. That's our our, our biggest problem, our biggest um, opportunity to yeah. to yeah challenge would be a better word. Uh, it, so that's going to take a while. But I think their their mindset is that yeah, this is the chance that we have if we do what we need to do and learn each other and pay attention to detail and value two points. Um, they believe that's all that matters is they believe. They believe that they have a chance to win, and now. But the bottom line is, you actually have to go play the games, and that's what we're about to start doing. Have you settled on a starting five yet? You, right? Yes, yes, but I'm unclear. Um, I, I, yeah. I'm I'm ninety percent of the way there. Okay, so you mentioned Plum. It's too bad that she's uh, you know got to go away for a while. It's, again, just the, the craziness of of the schedule and everything. And you guys will be taking a month or so off too because of the Olympic Games. Uh, you know, in if August. Yeah, exactly. So how is Plum looking off of the injury? I'm good. Uh, you know, three or four days, hard days in a row of practice. She gets a little fatigue of her foot. Other than that, good. Hmm. Um, she's on a mission. You know, she wants to get back uh, and, and be successful individually and as a team. Uh, she learned a lot, quite frankly, sitting out last year and watching us. And she'll tell you that if you have her on. Mm-hmm. Um, just by watching and understanding who her teammates are. It's not the same as playing with them. But she also came off of a, a good playoffs uh, last time she stepped on the court. So she wants to expand upon that, too, and use that as a launching pad. Uh, so I think overall... She's in good uh, position right now to be successful for us. How and what, where, who it all works out, well, that's what I'm still trying to figure out. You know, you mentioned Chelsea Gray, and you know, you really probably haven't had enough time really to to evaluate her because she hasn't been here that long, and she had to clear through protocols and everything from playing overseas. Is she as good as advertised from what you've seen so far? Yeah, yes and no. I don't know. It's, we're, we're a little different style for her. So I told her, I basically told her that, you know, it's easy. It's, it's a lot easier for her to jump on the ship and then the ship change direction and jump on her ship. It, it just doesn't happen overnight. She has to understand who we are, which is a learning experience also, um, and learn how we do business and assimilate into how we do business, and maybe we will back into how she does business. 
So I think it's going to be the same thing I had before. It's going to be a little bumpy ride in the early part because she's a, okay, let's walk up the floor or, or slowly push the floor and get into something. We're about, we want to zoom the ball up the floor and attack right away. So two different styles, and it's easy for her to do our style. It would be a lot harder for us to do her style. So it's going to be a learning experience for both sides also. Hey, how is that when you have a player that you are now coaching, but for all these years, especially like a veteran like, like say, Chelsea Gray, and you, I guess you had to do this uh, with Liz Cambage as well too, maybe even Angel McCautry for, for a while too. How is it when a player that you've coached against for many years and now you've spent all that time trying to shut that person down and then now they're playing for you talk about that building that relationship or that trust factor and having them fit into your system and your plans and you know both sides are used to each side competing against each other and now your teammates well from a coaching perspective I, I told the same thing you know you, you can look at a tape of her playing for somebody else and you can watch a game but you mostly focus on yourself and your team not her right. or their team and you really learn more about the player actually in practice than you do in the game um, because you see them in so many more practices. And you see things in their game in practice that you wouldn't see in the game because they take more leeways in practice. So you see what they're capable of doing in different areas, and you can help expand that game. And maybe there's areas that she was limited by their personnel that now we have, she has different personnel that she can do certain things for her game that she was unable to do on the other team's. So it's, it's a lot of nuances. It's a lot of different things, and it's going to take time. But I think she's the right kid for the right spot. Uh, I know the players believe in her and trust her. That's more than three-quarters of the battle. Uh, and she wants to do it. She wants to be that, that person who goes out there and orchestrates um, this team. And, uh, okay, let's embark upon that, but let's make sure we don't get um, any frustration when it doesn't happen like yesterday. Hmm. Do you like the way that the league has started off with you going up to Seattle to play the first two games and basically jumping right into the deep end of the pool? Uh, I, I understand and, and, and agree with that uh, we would be playing either there or here for the opening game. We're playing there because they get their rings and they get their ceremony and the two finals teams last year and we're on ABC television. That's a given every year. Um, to play back-to-back up there, I think it's, a little, it's bad because – you could have a sprained ankle. You could have something. You cannot, you know, you're not up to speed yet. You need a game under your belt, all the above. And now you're playing one of your rivals and in their place, and there's no breathing room. You could be 0-2. You could be 2-0. and um, But to play them both boom-boom, you don't get to make any that many adjustments. And you, it could be a wrong time of year. Someone could have a sprained ankle. He'll be back in two weeks. So, you know, it's – they play them, and especially in the same market, they would come to our place and play. I get that one. That would be somewhat better than having two games uh, in their place. Final thing here for you, Bill. Uh, with Asia coming off an MVP season, how do you handle the attention that she is going to get, not only on the court, but, but off the court as well, too, this year? Well, most of the problem with that, what you just described, will be off the court. Right. Uh, the media requirements. Uh, you know, going into towns, uh, advanced, advanced media, people want articles. Um, it's going to get even worse this year because uh, on the drawing board, I think it's well down the drawing board, there's going to be a weekly show, uh, uh, a weekly television show out there. There's going to be a weekly radio show out there for the WNBA. Um, so they're going to want content. 
So who are they going to go to? They're going to go to the best players. They're going to go to the best teams. Uh, and, yeah, she's Azer Wilson, the MVP. And so the requests keep coming. And I think that's – I told our, our PR staff, I told our players, I think that's going to be the biggest, um, you know, distraction this year is going to be the amount of media that will be coming our way and especially Asia's way. Mm-hmm. All right, as you know, we have a, a, a great uh, in-depth, cracked research staff here. And uh, we found out. Right, here, we fa- here, comes here, here comes the breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Bill Lambeer played in a, in a pro golf event in 1993. You remember that in Cleveland? You shot a 77, yes. three birdies. I missed, I missed the cut. You missed the cut. <laughs> there it is. They got a profile on PGATour.com, played in the event in yeah, 1993. I missed, I, what happened? I, I, I missed the cut. Um, too green, too naive. Um, they're all they're all better players than I was at that time. Um, you know, and it was fun. It was frustrating because I could have played better. Uh, but it is what it is. It was just, you know, I got in there. I hit my two cents. I, I did other qualifiers for PGA events. Like they were called back then, they were called four spots. Where you play on Monday one round to get four spots to go into a PJ tour, and I missed by one one year. Oh wow! Um, so you know, but it, I didn't didn't make it. So it is what it is, and that's long hit long time ago. So of the guys that you played with, whether they were your teammates in Detroit or just guys in the league around that time, and you know there'd be celebrity golf events. Who are give me one or two guys that like were really outstanding golfers? Jim. In basketball, yeah, they, they were like like there either your any. there weren't any right nobody. No, that I, were, I was I, I was the one. Um, now there's a ton of them. Yeah, um, back when I was playing, there really wasn't golf wasn't on the radar of a lot of the pro athletes. Right, um, but as time's going along and the money's become great and they have to hide out more um, from the general public, golf is a great place to go because there are no TVs, there are no cell phones, mm-hmm. there are no people wanting your autograph every five minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's a great place to escape. And also, you play by yourself. You don't have any teammates to lose the game for you. So a lot of athletes are really taking up golf because it gives them another competitive outlet. Was there anyone worse than Charles Barkley? Charles Barkley used to be okay. He used to shoot like, you know, 85, 88, 88 oh, wow. 90, somewhere in there. Okay. And then he got hooked up with a, psycho- a sports psychologist and then went in the tank and now shoots 140. <laughs> All right, my friend. Hey, uh, well... Good luck. Uh, we'll get ready for the opener uh, Saturday and Sunday. And fans back at Mandalay Bay a week from this weekend. Uh, everyone's looking forward to that. So are we. All right, brother. All right, be good, and we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. Take care. There, Thank you. There he is, Bill Lambeer, the head coach of the Las Vegas Aces. So NBA players not exactly quarterbacks on the golf course. Not so much. He brings up a good point, though, too. You think about that. You know, back in those days, you know, there, there weren't – that many, especially the NBA guys, they didn't, they didn't play a lot. Now some of them yeah. do. Like I hear oh, Steph Curry's got a good game. Oh, he does. And I've you know, seen him he's play. Like, up he's in always been, a, yeah. yeah, he's up in Tahoe and that, yeah. and some of them do. But yeah, mm-hmm. so I would just think that one of the hard things would be like just getting clubs to fit properly in that. They've all got to have custom made clubs. Oh yeah. I mean, when you're six eleven or seven foot tall, you're not using standard clubs. I, I had to take Cartwright shopping when he was in Vegas here to get his custom made clubs uh, over the PGA Super uh, uh, Store over here. You're right. You know, Not easy for these guys, seven foot. All right, appreciate Bill Lambeer for joining us. We come back, we talk NFL schedule release. TJ Reeves from Tampa Bay will join us. We got that, more VGK talk, and a whole lot more, plus some baseball as well. So hang tight for that. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank.
on this Wednesday.